Hi, my name is Peter Maestri, and you're listening to Divorce the First Six Months. If you are someone who is about to go through a divorce, or maybe you're healing from one, then you're in the right place. This conversation and the stories you're going to listen to focus on people who have gone through a divorce, and more importantly, how they navigated through it. Having said that, let's get right into it. What do you love most about yourself now? Oh, gosh. Um, is it really conceited if I say so many things? <laughs> nope, at all. On the contrary, I think divorce is an opportunity because it's the birth of the new you. So it wouldn't be conceited at all. I think it would be more of a contribution. Yeah, um, I can't agree with that statement more. I I just feel super grateful that I'm able to... Um, I don't think that it's, you know, I never would have imagined, I would think that like to restarting your life in your forties would be super scary, you know? And I never would have imagined that my life would be like this, but what a beautiful opportunity it is to be able to say, Oh, I get to make all of these decisions all over again, knowing what I know now, it really is such an amazing opportunity. And I'm so grateful for that every single day. And I enjoy getting to know myself Um, so the things that I like about myself are, I've really, I'm, I, let's see, I really feel like a very strong sense of self now. I really like who I am. I'm not afraid to speak my mind. I'm not afraid to be vulnerable. I'm not afraid to listen. I feel like I really know myself, you know? And, um, I think that when I, when you know yourself, that, kind of transcends into all different aspects of your life. It's made me more confident. So when I approach, you know, I've started producing again. And now when I'm approaching jobs, instead of feeling meager and like just walking on eggshells and being like unable to kind of knowing what I want to do, but not like really having the confidence to vocalize it and take a stand and say, no, I think we should do this guys. I don't have that anymore. Now I'm like, Hey, no, I think we should do this guys. You know, I think we need to go in this direction or this is what I want to contribute. And I'm also not afraid to take constructive criticism, knowing that like somebody not may not feel the same way. And I'm, I'm okay to listen. You know, I don't, I'm strong enough that I can receive it and listen to it. Um, I also feel like healthier and happier than I've ever felt. I take care of myself all the time, every single day I do something for myself, you know, whether it's working out or eating right or hanging with friends, you know, I'm constantly pouring back into myself. So I really feel like I didn't about face all of the things that I recognized in my old self that I, that were my weaknesses. I have now um, made them my strengths, you know, I've really focused on making sure that all the things that I didn't do, I do consistently and I talk about it. You know, I share it with the people who will listen and are looking for inspiration. And I say, these are the tools that I use to help me rediscover who I am, to help create happiness within me and to help um, me live a happy, healthy life. And I think that um, happiness starts on the inside So it's not about like what you're doing. It's about how you're doing it. And I think that like really self-care also starts from the inside. So, you know, you have to really care for yourself, like recognize what the things that you need, where the like losses are, where the like wounds are and really focus on healing those things. And when you come out on the other side, which is where I feel like I am now, those things become like not wounds anymore, but, um, more of badges of honor, you know? 
That's beautifully said. Um, well, I just got trapped inside what you were saying. It was awesome. But what I wanted to ask you was how do you, how do you identify those tools? Like what can you advise somebody that's about to go through it? Like, you know, like there's journaling, there's writing yourself a letter. There's different ways that you can, you can figure it out. What are, how do you identify the tools? I mean, for me, I didn't really say this is the tool I'm going to use. Yeah. For me, I tried a bunch of different things and I found what fit me at that time. So I can't even say that it was one tool that I used consistently throughout. There were different moments where I was having different big feelings and not knowing how to deal with them. And I would use different tools. So I think that writing, um, I, like sometimes just writing letters to the people that hurt me, I never would send them, but yes. it's, I, I was finding that I was obsessing about the things that I wanted to say in my head, you know, like the, the FUs that I wanted to like, or the explanations or the, or the, um, I don't know, the rebuttals of all of the things that had been thrown at me. And I would run through them in my head all the time and constantly overthinking, overthinking. And, um, and then I identified, like, I need to be able to get these things out, you know? And so I, um, obviously I didn't want to call those people and be like, so this is what I'm thinking. <laughs> so, uh, I ended up writing, you know, letters to the people that hurt me just, and I found that once I was able just to get it out, those thoughts disappeared, you know, and that, and once I recognized that happening, I really started purging more you know, and, and in different ways, like I would purge to my therapist and say, this bothered me and I would talk it out. And as soon as I would talk it out, those feelings were gone or I would write letters and I'd purge it out. And all of a sudden that feeling towards that person was gone, you know? And so I think like there's comes a point where you do like this purge process and it's just, um, I always said that I made this analogy and I think it holds absolutely true. Like when I was first going through my divorce and I was holding everything in, I felt like I was operating at a glass, like basically almost full. There was like a millimeter at the very top. So anything, any life thing that was added on top of that would just make me boil over and my glass would overflow, right? So as soon as I started purging, the water in my glass began to become less, you know? And so as my cup became less full, the things that life was throwing at me added to my cup, but they didn't make me boil over or they didn't make my cup overflow. So I was able to actually deal with life in general in a more healthy way because I was emptying my cup, you know? And so I, as soon as I started realizing that, like, I need to start getting rid of the, these feelings, like whatever these huge feelings I'm feeling inside, if I, if they're bothering me, I need to find a way to release them. It's the only way I'm going to empty my cup, you know, and I really um, started emptying my cup on a regular basis. And by doing that, you know, I was dealing with life better, dealing with the actual um, technicalities and process of divorce better because there's a lot of like technicalities within that and like, you know, dollars and cents and, you know, contracts and all of these things. So I was, I was able to not take all of those things so personally and be so defensive about them because it wasn't, my cup was becoming less full. So my, so I wasn't reacting like largely to everything. I was like picking and choosing the things that were important to me. And I was able to um, like kind of, evaluate things in a more 
productive and healthy way because I wasn't so emotional and reactive. So we talked a lot about emotions. Let's talk about the the legal process because I think that's something that inside of the first six months is completely, it it's very, very present. What was your first six months inside the legal procedures? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, my, so because my mother died, I um, had, I was left a home in Florida, you know, so here I was, you know, I just found out about like a major infidelity from my husband. I had two young kids who were one in four at the time and my mother died and um, my entire family lived in Florida. They had like a business, a family business. So the logical thing that went through my mind, you know, as they say, you know, when a, you know, a wound, if a wounded, if an animal is wounded, it basically tries to make its way home you know? And that's what I felt like. I felt like I was this wounded animal. So I just wanted to like make my way home. So originally I wanted to move back to Florida, which I don't, if anybody is thinking about trying to do a move away, I really had no idea like what that process was. So I was like, no, I have a house in Florida. I have a business that I can work at in Florida. Like the finance, like all of the things that I felt what I was worried about, like financial security and having like support and help in raising my kids and being able to be a single mom. Those, all of that was like, it was like a no brainer for me to go home, you know, but you know, my ex is born and bred in California. And so that was like a major contention. So, um, I, I originally went for a move away and that created so much stress. And then as we became in the process, I started to realize like all the court proceedings, all of the financial costs to doing something like that. Um, they, I got quotes that it was going to be anywhere between a hundred and a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in lawyers' fees to like sixty to eighty thousand dollars in lawyers' fees. And as the process went on, I started thinking like, a you know, I, my father died when I was really young and, you know, my girls have an opportunity to have a dad in their lives and, you know, who am I to take that away from them? You know? So I wanted them to have a father that was close by. Um, and then the second thing was it didn't make a good, it wasn't a good financial decision for me. If I was really concerned about being financially independent, you know, the last thing I need to do is, um, like basically spend all of my life savings on lawyers, you know? So after a couple of months of that, I decided to, um, I said, decided to stay in Los Angeles and start working out a divorce proceedings with like shared custody and all of that. And, um, and so, you know, the best advice that my lawyer gave me was this isn't just a divorce. This is a business transaction, you know? And so, um, and, it, and I, I had to constantly remind myself that this is a business transaction. This is basically a division of assets. This is a division of time. And this is pretty much a contract that you are going to follow for the next like 15 years. So you better m- know what you want and be able to fight for what you want and let go of some of the things that aren't that important. You know what I mean? Um, and so yeah, the, the process was uh, kind of varied and difficult, um, but we ended up settling in the end, which I feel like we, were, we both received, you know, it was fair. And like, we still, I still, I really am proud of myself. I think I did a good job in like standing up for the things that were important to me and being able to have um, those things, like those things included in 
our contract because, you know, it's really important for you to know what it is that you want, because that contract is something that you can always lean on whenever there's conflict in your co-parenting relationship, because that is the, the basis from which you operate, you know? What is it like co-parenting? Oh my gosh. I, I describe it like this. It's like, it's fine until it's not fine, you know? Um, <laughs> You, you know, you, with the people, I think that when you get divorced, there's a reason for your divorce. You know, if you, if everybody got along perfectly, you probably wouldn't be divorced. And so you are going to run into times where you, there's a difference of opinion, you know? And um, I think that sometimes like those, those times are, uh, those conflicts are few and far between, but they do happen. And I think it's about, you know, being able to just work through those things and always, always, always put the kids first. You know, this isn't about co-parenting is not about two parents getting along. Co-parenting is about two parents doing what is in the best interest of their children. So I think that you always have to think like, what do, what is best for the kids and do what's best for the kids. And I do that all the time. And I have to say, it's probably some of the hardest things that I do Um, you know, because it's not really what I want. It's what they want. And it's hard to not to make choices or uh, of something that you don't want. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it can be very difficult, but it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Just do the right thing. You know, how important is communicating? Oh my gosh. It's everything. You know, I mean, I, um, I think that communication is the basis of all relationships. And I think that um, the way in which you communicate, sometimes it's not what you say, it's the way that you say it. So I think that um, communication can is so important, but also I also think that communication can be, um, I, like my lawyer told me that something one time, and I always think about this. I was, so you can also over communicate, you know, like just because, especially in the first six months, you know, everybody's fighting, things are really on, you know, there's a lot of emotions involved and, you know, you might, you might get into like text fights with your ex, you know what I mean? And like, you're screenshotting them and you're like, I'm going to use this somehow, you know? And, um, it's just become so, crazy, you know, and, and sometimes you can over communicate where it's like, you're fighting back and forth. And I was doing that. I was definitely guilty of that, you know, feeling very defensive and feeling like I always had to say something because what if he used it against me? I have to have my voice heard, you know? Um, but my lawyer was like, you know, just because he says something doesn't mean that you have to automatically respond. You know, it is okay. You don't have to, if he sends it to you right then, you don't have to immediately send a response. You can actually, there's no like timetable. So why don't you just sit back, think about it, cool off. And then if you feel like responding, then you can respond. And I thought that was great advice, especially for the first six months, because, you know, emotions can be a real B-I-T-C-H. So, you know, Sometimes the things that you feel are like adamant, you're really adamant about and you feel super right and super um, passionate about, 
they might not be the best thing that you should say at that moment if you're trying to diffuse conflict. So um, I think that maybe giving it a beat and just like allowing the emotions to calm down before you respond and choosing whether or not the a response is necessary, I think is also super important. This conversation started because someone challenged me to be vulnerable. So I'm challenging you. Share yourself and your story. Be courageous. Be vulnerable. It makes a difference.